Thank you for joining us today on the Annex Podcast, hosted and presented by the Building Christian Fellowship. At the building, we build our faith, hope, and love in Jesus by having a real, relevant relationship with Him. And what better way for us to get closer to God than to learn more about Him through His Word? We pray you enjoy this message. Cuando todos lleguen aquí, when you all get here, vale la pena cada hora de sacrificio. It makes every hour of sacrifice that I do worth it. When I see your face, cuando el edificio se convierte en la iglesia, when the building becomes the church, <laughs> Porque lo llamamos el edificio? Why do we call it the building? Yeah, that's all it is. Pero cuando el pueblo de Dios se une. But when the people of God come together, it's the church. Iglesia. Nos convertimos en el cuerpo de Cristo. We become the body of Christ. La iglesia. Iglesia. The church. Amen. Can somebody just give God a praise for me for that? I, for the fact that my son said last week, he said, this was never meant to be a church. It was meant to be a building. Mm, mm, mm. It was big Judah. It was big JR. They're all J's. Joan, John, Judah, Big John. <laughs> now listen, uh, I really hate churchy cliches. I hate churchy cliches. Pero el próximo año es viente, viente. Next year is 2020. Y viente, viente significa visión clara. In 2020 means clear vision. Yes, yes, I hate churchy cliches. I hate it. I hate it. But you guys have to realize, even with churchy cliches, um, it's just true. It's true that the fact that we're living in clear vision right now. It's the cliche. I'm going to tell you right now. I'm not. This is not prophesying, but every church that you know of is going to be. This is the year 2020. It's the year of vision. Amen. Praise God. And, and, and the funny part about that, y'all, is as cliche-ish as it gets, it's true. Amen. And God is moving us in the vision, in, in the vision that he has given us. And I don't know uh, if you guys were here last week or not, but Bella prophesied something that I don't think we all got. She was singing and she was prophesying as she was singing. She said, we are living in the vision. <laughs> I, I, I don't know about you. You guys ever have a dream and a dr that dream actually starts coming through, coming to pass? Maybe it's having children. Maybe it's owning a business. Maybe, I don't know what it is, but when you finally get what you were 
praying for that you realize at that moment, that you take a moment, just a second to realize, God, I'm living in this vision that you've given me. It's happening now. And that's what's happening at the Building Christian Fellowship. God is allowing us to live in this vision that he has given us. Amen. Praise God. And I'm, I'm, I'm excited and I'm happy for it. While you guys are, are here at church, there's something that we do here is we, we read out of the Bible. So turn your Bibles to Haggai, chapter 1, verse 14. And, and I just want to just state this. this is not part of my message, but I just want to state something for y'all, which is this. You know, you look at how raw this, this sanctuary is and and what it continues to remind me of as I'm doing this is that God, the same way we're working on this building is the same way God is working on me. If there's no mess, then there's no work. Somebody should praise, praise God right there for that. Somebody should give God a big shout of praise because your life is in a mess right now. And you don't even realize that God is just working on you. You See, what you're seeing now is after we did a little cleanup, but when the work starts again tomorrow morning, it's going to be a mess in here again. But it means that there's work being done. And it's called the process of sanctification. Grace isn't for you to sin. Grace isn't for you to sin and go, oh, God's grace is on me. No, grace is what's going to keep you as the sanctification process is moving on in your life. It's grace that keeps us being able to be here 12 and 14 hours a day. It's grace that allows Sean to go to work early in the morning and then come after work and then still work. It's grace that allows Freddie to go to work, drive three hours, and then come here and work. It's grace on our lives that allows us to make those changes and get through the mess without being lost in all of it. So I thank God for the building of his house. Amen. So if you will, Haggai chapter 1, verse 14, and it reads, And the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, the son of Shittil, governor of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, the son of Jehoshadak, uh, the high priest, and the spirit of all the remnant of the people, and they came and did work in the house of the Lord of hosts, their God. Praise God. Let me give you some background on this, and we're going to be stick, sticking in, in Haggai, but let me give you some back, uh, background. The prophecy of Haggai was given during... Uh, the time of Israel when they were in the cap captivity of the Babylonian Empire at around 520 B.C. Prior to their captivity and release from Babylon, Israel had some, made some real bad decisions. Somebody say bad decisions. Yeah, you know what their bad decision was? Not obeying God. Mm, yeah. And because of their disobedience, God allowed them to be captured by their enemies for 70 years. It kind of sounds like where America's going right now. Israel was a powerhouse. But because of their disobedience, God allowed them to be overran and captive, become captive to their enemies. Now, after their captivity in Israel, they were allowed to return back to Jerusalem to rebuild their temple. This is after 70 years. After building the foundation of the house of God, the children of Israel stopped. 
They stopped working on the house of God and began to focus on rebuilding their own lives. You guys listening to me very closely. They were all come together. They began to build the house of God. But then some people were like, well, you know what? I, you know, we've been in captivity. We've been slaves. We've been working for a long time. We need to, I need to go do work on my first ministry, which is my family. So I'm going to go start building my own life. So for 17 years, the foundation of God's house was set, but nobody worked on the house of God. So what we have to ask ourselves today is, what locked Israel into 17 years of not working on God's house? What made them eventually, after 17 years, come out of that rut to start working on God's house? I'm going to tell you, something changed. Somebody say change. Okay, I'm going to answer this question that y'all said in your spirit. I heard it by the Lord. You guys are like, well, what, well, what changed? Something changed. Well, I'm going to tell you. The first thing that I noticed when reading this chapter, what changed was this. When their quality of life was affected, they were ready for some change. Oh, I hope the, you guys are going to understand this. There's something about when our quality of life changes. It prompts people to look for change. When something happens to us, when our quality of life, when things aren't running normal every day, then we'll start to look for change. Let me give you an example. When most people are diagnosed with diabetes or high blood pressure or some type of heart condition, they won't work out until the diagnosis comes. They won't look for a change in their eating habits. They won't go sign up for the factory fitness elite. They don't do that kind of thing unless they start to discover, well, I'm sick, so now I need to do something healthy. So when their life Quality of life changes, now they won't change. When people's marriages blow up, then they start wanting counseling. Let me give you guys a hint. It's okay to do some maintenance. Don't wait till the tires are bald and starting to show a little, little metal. Don't wait for the tires to start screeching. Don't wait for the knock, 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 knock to change the oil. Maintenance is okay. <laughs> but when things bad happen, that's when we start looking for change. You guys, if we're honest with ourselves, we see that the pain in our lives is what prompts us to start seeking the feet of God. It makes us start looking for change. God allows pain in our lives to get us out of our comfortable situation to look for some change that will cause us to fulfill the plan and purpose that God has for us in our lives. And you know, guys, we are creatures of habit. We love things we can predict. Come on. Most people don't like change. Can we be honest? If I said right now we are now changing the times of the church and we're, we're going to have service at 12 We'll lose more than half the people because they don't like change. Look, ain't nobody going to say amen to that. I know what you're saying. No, I'll be here, pastor. I praise God. No, no it's, it's been proven. Church splits happen because pastors change. Back to covenant. Is your covenant to the pastor or is your covenant to God's house? Oh, my God. Oh, my God. You know, for those of us that don't smoke, I, I just, just want to share this. You know, in, in, it's like Jim. You know, Jim, he don't smoke. Praise God. No, 
And for those of us that don't smoke, let me tell you how much we don't like change. When we get change, what do we do to change? Throw it in the ashtray in our car. I need you to listen to this analogy. It's really good, I, I, if I say so myself. So we don't like change so much that when we get change, we throw it in the ashtray, right? And we keep letting it pile up until change, it starts to get heavy. And we don't start reaching for change until we're broke. When you ain't got no more paper in your pocket, you start reaching for change. <laughs> when I'm broke or when I'm broken, I start looking for the change. Some of y'all got the rainy day change box sitting in your house. I got one. I'm not going to lie. It sits in the corner and, and Kyle will go take it and just go shopping sometimes because there's that much change. Amen, amen. So looking back at Haggai, the prophet came and reminded the people of God, listen, consider your ways. Think about what you're doing. In verse 6, it says this, you have so much and bring in little. You eat, but you, not, you don't have enough. You drink, but you're not filled with drink. You clothe, um, you clothe yourselves, but there is no warmness to be found, and he that eateth or earneth wages, earneth wages to put into a bag with holes. Anybody ever, ever been there? It doesn't matter how much I work. It just, it don't matter what I'm doing. I'm always trying to say, but it seems like the harder I work, the more money I get, the more money goes out. You know what God said? Consider your ways. It ain't nobody else's fault but yours. Consider your ways. He says, you looked for much, and lo, it came to little, and when you brought it home, I did blow upon it. Let, let, me, let me just read, because I skipped. Let me, let me read exactly what it said. Let me read this to you. Verse, verse 7. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Go up to the mountains and bring wood and build the temple, that I may take pleasure in it and be glorified, says the Lord. You look for much, but in need, indeed it came to little. And when you brought it home, I blew it away. Why, says the Lord of hosts? Because of my house that is in ruins, while every one of you runs to his own house. Every one of you is looking to take care of your own stuff instead of the house of God. <laughs> Praise God. I, I began to think as I was reading this, and can I just share why I came upon this? Because the other day I was so frustrated with things that was going on here because when it rains, it pours, obviously. Some of y'all might be getting wet sitting in some of these seats. I don't know if the rain's dripping on you, but there was so many things going on. I got to the point where I looked and I said to, this, uh, to the guys that were here, I said, estoy muy frustrado. I'm frustrated. And I walked into my office, and I shut the door, and I said, Lord, what are you trying to say to me? And he turned me to Haggai. And I began to read Haggai, and he began to speak to me, and he, he encouraged me, but he said something. And I began to think about, God, am I not giving everything to your house? And I had to consider my ways. I said, Lord, what am I doing? Because, you know, the, the tendency is for us is to read Scripture and start pointing our fingers at everybody else, especially me as a pastor. Can I be honest? 
I, I want to, oh man, those guys ain't here and these, and these people ain't doing this and people should give more. And I, and I do that, but I have to, the Lord said, consider my ways. <laughs> I make it personal. So today I need you to make this personal in your life. And maybe, maybe you're prospering, but you know what? Have you considered your ways that you could be prospering even more? God said, because you are not taking care of my house, everything you brought in, I'm blowing on it. It's a terrible thing to have God blow on your stuff. There's a different, I want God to breathe on me. I don't want him to blow on me. I, there's a difference for him to breathe the breath of God, which is the spirit of God that comes. But when he blows, it will move things out the way and famine and destruction and pestilence comes when God blows on things. The prophet was reminding them about everything that wasn't working with the quality of their life. He's like, you know why all these things are happening? Let me remind you what's going on. If you're here today and you are tired of the way things have been going on in your life, whether it's in relationships, whether it's spiritual, whether it's work, whatever you have, don't curse your pain. Look at it as an introduction of change to your life. Look at it as a door of opportunity for change to take place. Somebody say change. Yes, yes, change. The second thing that I noticed that happened to the people of God that caused them to want change was this. There was a stirring up of something inside of them. See, some people have the mental ability to recognize that there is a need for change. How many people know there's a need for change in our country? Yes, there's a need for change. And, and it's funny because as a country, we say the need for change is in the presidency. But the need for change is in the people. Because the people put the president in a position. Did we forget democracy? I don't, I don't know. I, yeah, I don't want to hear that. But we have this, this great ability to recognize that there needs to be change, but we lack the internal fortitude to make it. You guys know G.I. Joe. There was a prophet named G.I. Joe. The prophet G.I. Joe. I have to hold my hand like, the prophet G.I. Joe said, <laughs> now you know, but knowings have to battle. That's a prophetic word. You can know it, but you, what are you going to do about it? I know I need to work out. But knowing's half the battle. Really, knowing's only 25% of the battle. I need to eat vegetables. As baptized believers, we already know for something to take place in the natural realm, before you could touch it, taste it, feel it, and experience it. it, it has to take place in the spiritual realm first. So the Lord had to stir up in their inner man to create a dissatisfaction to promote a desire for change. You got to be sick and tired of your situation before you get the motivation to make something change. You know, sometimes there's diagnoses that will happen. Doctors will give you and say, like, you got high blood pressure, and people ain't stirred up enough. But then when they end up in the emergency room and a bunch of people standing around them talking about, you just had a heart attack or you had a stroke, now they're like, okay, I need to eat right. 
But the warning came months earlier. Allow the Lord today to stir up in you to make that change. By the way, you guys know Paul told Timothy, stir up the gift that is inside you. He wasn't talking about his talents. He wasn't talking about his abilities. He was talking about the gift of the Spirit of God. Somebody say change. Let's go a step further. In verse 14, it says this. It says, they began, they came and began to build. They began to invest themselves in the process. So many people want to invest everything else. Listen, you know, when it comes to building things, it's great that you invest money. It's great that, that um, Candace is up here and asking you guys to donate things and toys. That's great. Don't get me wrong. It's great. But what she also asked was, please, don't just invest your, 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 your treasures. I need you to invest yourselves. You have to invest yourself in these things. Looking at the scripture, we have to conclude that after they were tired of their quality of lives, after they were stirred up on the inside, the first indicator that there was change, that they reprioritized their lives. If you want something different in your life, you're going to have to change your priorities. Oh, see, it gets quiet. It's like when I talk about being intentional. It gets quiet. When I talk about priorities. People start thinking, well, what's really important to me? If you keep doing the same thing, you're going to get the same results. The only way to change is, um, our change is going to come to pass, is if you change how you uh, reprioritize uh, how you spend and invest your time, energy, and resources. You have to reprioritize, can, why can't I say that word? Y'all know what I mean, right? Uh, amen, amen. We'll just get an amen on that. Re prioritize your life. We have to see that the same investments are going to produce the same results until our priorities change. Do you guys realize that we all have the same amount of time? Really? You know what I hear a lot? I hear people come to me and go, I say, man, look at this dude. He's super successful. You'd be like, I'd be successful too if I had more time. You got just as much time as he has. Everybody has 60 seconds in a minute. They got 60 minutes in an hour. They got 24 hours in a day, right? Am, am I correct? Do I got any extra time? We all have the same time. But the difference is with the person that's successful in their life and a person that's not, it's because the person that is successful has prioritized things in his life to be successful. They're not doing a whole lot of this. Or this. When we see other people excelling in life, we always hear somebody say, if I had more time. Somebody say, I want change. Do you really want change? When God begins to stir up our hearts, I'm going to bring this to a close. As God begins to stir up our hearts, for change, we have to reprioritize our lives by changing the value of what's important to us. Reprioritizing your life means having a new value system. What you give, what you given value to before has to change. 
Before you were married, you valued your own time. But after you met your special someone, being spending time with them was a priority. At least I hope so. When I gave my life to Christ, spending time with them became a priority. And spending time with them didn't just mean in my house alone. It also meant spending time with God's people. It became a priority to me. Can I share, you, share with you how much building God's kingdom was a priority for me? My first priority before I started ministry is that I wanted to make six figures. That was a priority. So I found a job that was close. Close. About 30 grand off. But I knew if I worked hard and prioritized my time to work hard, learn more, that eventually I'd move up the ladder and get that six figures. And one day it came to pass. I started making six figures. My wife already making six figures was a priority that we were going to build a home in Virginia. So we started looking up plans and everything else. But when God began to stir up some things in my heart, in our heart, my priorities changed. And I couldn't balance both of them. I had to forsake one for the other. My life's dream, my life's goals, my house, everything else I had to give up for the sake of Jesus Christ and because we made that change because we changed our priority this is what I want you guys to see listen very carefully I'm telling you this from a pastor's position but this is from everybody when I gave up my own dreams and my own will for God's will God began to bless me don't don't get me wrong he began to breathe on things in my life did everything go smooth at first no it didn't but it began to it's just like us building this building it's been over a year God began to start restructuring things in my life and we went through a time of lack but we never never have I seen the righteous forsaken nor a seed banging bread we lost a house we lost cars we my wife and I gave up everything for the sake of the ministry but let me tell you something when we did that God in turn because we were obedient and turned around and blessed us and we received more than double that which we lost watch this saints because we reprioritized our lives and God's calling you to do the same thing what's more important to you you know I can tell what's more important to you by looking at what you spend most of your time doing reason why we aren't getting the results we want is because our priorities and values are misplaced. If I wouldn't have left and forsake everything else and allowed the stirring of God's heart to drive me to do what I did, then this wouldn't be happening. Susun wouldn't have a light called the Building Christian Fellowship. What's in you that the world's waiting on? What change do you need to make that people right now are depending upon you, your family, your children, your spouses, your classmates, your workmates? God says it's time for a change. Allow the pain that you're going through to drive you to its feet. Because I can promise you, it's going to rain. But eventually, like it's raining now, what's going to come up? New life. Things are going to grow in places you didn't think they were going to grow. 
There's going to be salvation. There's going to be deliverance. There's going to be healing in the land that you are on. But it only if you will change. If you look back over the last 30 days of your life, your priorities will manifest themselves. About how much time and effort and resources you put into something. If God's important to you, you wouldn't have to say it. I could see it. I know what's important to you by what you do. A lot of us have a priority with eating. Don't say amen. We think eating is really important. You know why? No matter how tired we are, no matter how sleepy we are, no matter where we're at, no matter what we're doing, we, eating is such a priority, we will stop everything to eat. Same thing with sleeping. I'm going to bed. I don't care. I'm tired. Why? Because it's a priority. We need to allow God to have priority over our lives. We want God to get the glory out of our lives, but it takes change. And today, he's stirring us up inside. You already declared that you want change. Don't wait till you're broken to reach for the change. Reach for it now. Allow this stirring to drive us to his feet so that he can bring forth the plan and purpose out of our lives that God desires. Amen? Amen. Stand to your feet. Praise God. As I was reading Haggai, what blessed me is that the Lord said, during all this trouble, through all this stuff that's going on, he said, I'm with you. I'm with you. That's for you. You're going through hell. He says, I'm with you. Seems like he's left you, but he said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. It, it seems like you're alone, but I haven't left you. And if I made my bed in hell, I'd look up and Lord, you are there. Hallelujah. I thank you, Lord, that you said you'd never leave me nor forsake me. I thank you that you said in your word that the glory of your former house, your former house will not exceed the glory of your new house. And I thank you for that right now, the, which means God says, well, the glory that you've experienced before is not going to be anything like the glory I'm about to do in your life. Don't worry. I am with you. There's change happening. There's a mess that's going on in your life right now. But I am molding you. I'm taking you through a sanctification process. I am conforming you into the image of my son. So glory in your infirmities. Glory in your persecutions. Glory in your troubles. Knowing this, that the power of God is resting upon you. For when you are weak, he is strong, saith the Lord. Hallelujah. That's all the time we have for this episode of the Annex Podcast. But we encourage you to get connected with us by downloading and using our TBCF app today. Or you can visit our website at tbcf.life. That's tbcf.life. Until next time, thanks for stopping by to the Annex Podcast.